immortal immortal fantasies of the of the old world realms. No. The the old world empires. The old worlds of welcome to my my original my original podcast title was Ten from the Back, which is a nice little segue. So That's why nice. don't we get there? That's Maybe nice. that could be the title of this episode, Ten from the Back. We Ten. will see. We'll see. That Again, oh, shit. There I am giving it. It'll be what it is. It'll be what it is. It'll Again. be. It'll be what it is. Okay, we it'll don't know what right it now. Is. It'll be what it is. We don't know what the name of the show is, but this show is uh, to do with the old world. So that's what we're here for today. Uh, me and Mr. Val Heffelfinger um, are going to be talking about the old world. And if you are watching this, then uh, do like and subscribe and send this to your old world buddies. But probably your old world buddies who aren't, who didn't play previously probably don't want the ones that played previously to be honest <laughs> just gonna say it out don't worry loud. they're distracted all, all those guys are distracted playing horse heresy right now so you don't have to worry about them all right good yeah okay uh nikki d williams by the way in chat he uh was was our was uh our uh table boss not table producer rob yeah. uh and uh and he gave me this nikki williams brought you a uh a storm of magic book yeah, and it's out of focus because of my privacy blur. But yes, yes, he did, and it and it fully functioning, magnetized. One of the last, one of the last piece of books that uh, I didn't have in the collection. So this is wonderful. All right, well, great. Okay, love that. Still looking uh, for that monstrous arcanum. Still in my house. So <laughs> <laughs> if you want it, you can have it. I've told you this before. Um, well, it- Oh, and your luggage, by the way, is yeah. now making its way to Adam Camilleri. I paid it forward. So oh. <laughs> that that case is now packed with an equally absurd amount of Warhammer of the 41st uh, millennial variety on its way to Australia by uh, carried by a Australian uh, plastic crack mule. Uh, oh, and, Adam Camille- and Adam Camilleri will one day open it. And also I'm hoping maybe Adam can then send something to someone in the UK. So it circumnavigates the world and you get your luggage back. Perfect. So for everyone, for context, I had a bunch of old Warhammer Fantasy Battle sculpts, a couple, three or four. And then I, <laughs> I, I packaged them up into a suitcase for Val when I went over last year uh, and delivered the package. And now apparently that, that suitcase is now full of 40K going to Australia. Excellent. I love that. That's a nice mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a Beautiful. couple of bits in Beautiful there. Thing. What was really funny is, is I just utterly forgot to pack um, Tamrakan, who just ended up on a shelf in a bar. And I was like, I had to go to the bar the other day and be like, what, did I leave a big dragon here? And they were like... <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, like, the the star of the show. So, I, like, and apparently you still, you have dwarf, uh, some, some elves holding out on some elves. Mm, mm. Uh, that you may or may not have, uh, yeah. uh, Monstrous Arcanum. I'm going to pony up just for some shipping. I have so much stuff. This, basically, this entire place is a very fancy streamer garage sale. So I'm going to get some money, give you some shipping fees, and we can get the rest of the collection in one house. So there you go. I'm keen, uh, mainly because uh, uh, I'm very interested in 3D printing a lot of the the new stuff. Um, that's just because I think there's some cool sculpts. Uh, that's what I'm going to say. I might dip in, yeah. but just kind of start the show off. We don't know as of yet. So what's the point of today's show? We're going right. to go. We're going to look through the Empire. What were they called then? Codexes. Army books. Army book. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're going to look, through, look through the Empire uh, Army book. We're going to talk about some stuff. Uh, if you do, if you did listen to one of our previous shows, we've done. This is our third. Uh, the first one where is where Val gives us the history of uh, how how we ended up where we are. 
which is with a dead game system, uh, well, in Games Workshop's mind, but a very alive community playing different versions of Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Um, but with the release of the old world coming up from Games Workshop, this is our kind of like, let's just remind ourselves of what was going on, what was happening, what stuff like, and let's look through. So each week, we're going to look through one of the army books. We might not even finish this today. We don't know. It's meant to be just a slow roll to get us kind of excited for the future, because I legitimately am excited about the setting. Excited about the setting, excited about the game system returning, uh, to be honest. Uh, looking forward to it, it, like for me. So, um, yes. Empire. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I've got ADHD. You're going to have to hold on here, Rob. You're going to have to keep this, you're going to have to keep these uh, these horses pulling in the right direction. I almost started talking about the graphics card I just bought. Okay, <laughs> continuing. <laughs> no problem. Uh, right, yes, uh, dig out some old Winds of Magic cards. That's it. There's, he's got the book. So I've only got the PDF. So when we're looking at it right now, I've only got the PDF, uh, but Val's got the official book in hand. No well, message. If you're going to do the PDF, I, well, I guess PDF presents better. But also, for those people who want to follow along at home, uh, write it down. WHFB.app, potentially the app of the year. And you D can follow along there. Warhammer Fantasy Battle app of the year. www.whfb.app. That's right. So you've read. So this is the 8th edition book. And I want to uh, talk about a couple of things before, because I've done my research, just so you know. So here's, oh, a, here's a map. Um, when we're looking at Empire, roughly where they're based uh, mm -hmm. around here in the center. So obviously, podcast listeners, you won't be able to see the map. Um, but if you've played Old World or if you go look at some maps, you'll see. Are you rocking Armies Project right now? Or is this uh, just a map? This, this is, is just, just a map. A map. A okay, map. okay, 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 okay. Um, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but, but this map isn't going to be relevant for when we start talking about the Old World because they're going back in time. That is correct. That is correct. Are you trying to Although, work out where this map is from? I love how much yeah. of a nerd you are about this. <laughs> uh, I am I am indeed. So, yeah, we have the uh, Counts of Sylvania. Uh, so, like, this is after Vampire Wars, I would gather. Mm -hmm. Which, so, you know, um, and then we have Hawkland. We have Granberry. There's Nordland. So Nordland's there. And it looks like Marienburg has also, yeah, the Republican of Westerland interesting yeah so, so uh, and like goblin swamp says uh, for podcast systems just imagine a map of europe the empire yeah. is germany uh pretty much the, the yeah. french knights to the to the east are bretonia uh to the north we have the swedish who are the uh horrible chaos warriors and a little bit like uh, to the to the kind of northeast I'm oh, sorry to the west is bretonia to the northeast uh you have the russians who are kislev uh, and then to the direct east uh, and southeast, you start getting into your vampires. Or are they? Is that Turkey? Is that what the, like that area is? The border princes and stuff. Yeah. Um, no, that's. I, I think you're starting to get down towards more like. Uh, well, yeah, I guess like Turkey, Greece, the Balkans. You know, like sort of like that that transition between Asia, Africa, and Europe. Uh, that's sort of what what you're getting into down there. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's roughly where we are. So when we do talk about the empire, we're Tur we're talking we're talking Turkey, but we're also talking Germany. That's what we're talking, right? Um, yeah. Essentially. So yeah. If you look, there's there's no real Mediterranean Sea. I guess that's kind of one of the big differences between real Europe and this Europe mm. uh, is is that there is no Mediterranean. So the Badlands, which are just south of the Border Princes, that's where like Tomb Kings live and Savage Orcs and stuff like that. Uh, the border princes are just sort of a wild card area of near do wells. 
next to Estalia and Tilea, which would be your Spain and Italy proxies. Um, and then to the north of them, the French in Bretonia. And then, uh, of course, as you mentioned, Empire in Germany, Kislev, Russia. Uh, and the then English this, in this? The, the English exist as Albion, and they are kind of like Druish. So, like, they don't really have, they're not even really Celtic. They're just sort of like, I don't know, whoever built Stonehenge. So, yeah, Albion is, is England. And, uh, but, I mean, as we all know, a little thing called 1066 happened. So, Bretonia <laughs> is actually the English. Um, That's true. Don't know Good if point. you guys Thank know you. this, but yeah. your royal family uh, speaks French and more recently, just German. So, uh, yeah. Mm, Good on you. Yeah, they do. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Um, savage Druids who half got tricked into worshipping Albion. Oh, good point. Okay. Just what we need, a Druish princess. We don't need any of that, do we? Right? <laughs> Space boss. Um, um, yeah. So uh, so these uh, these initial books. So By the way, I'm literally um, like oh. nerve-wracked right now. I feel like I'm Indiana Jones going through the trials of the Last Crusade. Because I can't believe I a knew that Albion was the correct answer for where England is, and uh, I'm just I'm I'm popping off right now. I'm seeing the Matrix. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> You're in. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is lore shit, guys. This is not. This is not usually my bag. Okay. Uh, Warhammer. Lots of hours in Warhammer Two Total War also help. They do. They do. I mean, I was I was potentially going to load that up and then just take trips across it. That's a great idea. Um, like, which we could do on another show, I thought would be very fun. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, the, yeah the eighth edition. So, if you listen to the previous show, eighth edition army book uh, in the Empire. So, they got a book in the last edition. So, this is the best version, although there were later army books, obviously. I think the last one was either Wood Elves or Dark Elves. Uh, uh, final release was Wood Elves. Wood Elves, okay. Um, and then and then End Times books, but yeah, Wood Elves. Yeah, Wood Elves. So this is like a, a, a kind of a version of uh, a book that we may see return in the future, like this kind of style. Did it, did it have any sort of formatting? Were those like 8th edition books, were they in like a format that like made sense? You know, did it have like, because looking at this here, <laughs> you know, there's like the law. 100%. The oh, okay. worst book, the, the the worst book to ever actually have to use. Um, another pro tip: uh, go to the Facebook group Warhammer Fantasy Battles 8.1 edition or 8.5, and there's a person who unfucks all of these, so makes them so. Should I not cuss so explicitly? Anyway, um, basically, you, you have this is how 40k used to be done. I don't know how if they do it in AOS, but you have like a a nice fun page about fluff. And then for whatever reason, whatever special rules they have, and then nothing else. For everything else, you got to go all the way to the back to the, um, I guess, the army list section where you only have the options that a unit has and their points, but you don't have any of their rules. So to know oh. what <laughs> – so you basically wind up with your, your, your rules split between two uh, very separate places, and it is – frustrating as all hell to use these books um, i would say though i would say though like um in many ways because obviously like i mean i've been looking at a lot of necromunda recently obviously i've been looking at a sigma and we've seen 40k we've seen a bunch of people kind of like well they've seen games workshop sorry at least uh try to present rules for their units i would say that this army book and this generation of army books were one of my favorites because 
Um, like uh, ultimately, like this, th- this had a little bit of enough kind of crunch in the rules that like I got it. I was kind of like, oh, there's like four wounds each on this, or they're toughness four, or whatever it was. But then that page, as Val showing on the screen, um, which is uh, like all of the all of the additional things that you could get, felt like a kind of um, like an Aladdin's cave that you could go into after. So you would read about like the fire wizard, and then you go at the back and be like, ooh, heavy armor, ooh, <laughs> like it was quite excited to go there um, because I think that they should present each unit and i think one of the things i like most about this i don't know how you feel about it is that they present these units with like all of this narrative and it's not it's not completely independent from the rules in some ways like i see what you're i see what you're saying uh i just think there's no reason why you couldn't just have it all in one place or duplicate it. Yeah, like I would duplicate stuff, the special rules. Like that's what, and that's where they got to, right? With war scrolls and data slates, is they essentially have, uh, you know, they have a, a, a blurb like flavor text. I love magic, magic card, and then they have, you know, your stat lines and your rules, and they put them all shockingly in one place, which I think, you know, dare to dream. That's uh, maybe we'll see that kind of design. I don't really see why you need the flippy back and forthy. Uh, so much. Um, it it is a frustrating user experience. So like, uh, but they, that's this is an era of Games Workshop uh, design where they don't care about you. <laughs> so uh, you know, like that would be that would be probably the most major gripe. Aside from that, everything you just said, absolutely, dude. Like these these pages are just covered in beautiful color, lovely illustrations. Although the uh, the people at the time were critical of the quality of the art. I don't know why. I guess the Black and white lithographs from previous editions were prettier somehow. Um, the uh, like all of the hallmarks of what we come to expect from uh, <laughs> the, uh, the books that Games Workshop publishes are are present here, and this is sort of their first crack at it. But I think they're really gorgeous, lovely things to have near nearby handy if you just want to sit and daydream. Uh, that's what I think an army book is all about. Fundamentally, I think these pages, the ones with the flavor text, the picture. Uh, and maybe a little taste of rules. That's all an army book should be. I think, like as far as a functioning game playing document, um, you know, points and stat lines and all that kind of stuff should be nowhere near the book. That should be almost. That should be a different reference. Uh, this is for firing off your imagination, understanding the like lore and culture of the of the faction that you're really super interested in, sitting around daydreaming in your favorite chair, petting your dog, and wishing you could buy more toys. That's what an army book is for. I agree. Like I agree massively. Like 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 in this, like for instance, there's like a half page spread on a warrior priest. And like sure, like there's just like a single like miniature. Like um and in modern books, obviously like obviously I play a lot of Age of Sigmar and the modern books, they do have they do have these kind of sections where they go through all the different units. But they're not quite presented as like like maybe it's formally like this it feels more like a bestiary which has always been one of those things that i think is actually very very cool about how these are presented and i've really liked them um which like keep going keep going i'll keep going i'll talk to the chat about it um uh, Boone Army with these books was like browsing the Argos catalog as a kid. I agree. Uh, I often think that the the back and forth nature sometimes is a problem, like he said. Um, but then I guess some books came out every three or four years. I think that I don't think that this is overly difficult or challenging to produce these books. There we go. There's the oh, wait. You have the heraldry of the empire book. Uniforms and heraldry of the empire. Now no I got the PDF way. of this too, if if you want to fire it up. But like this to me is actually what an army book should be. Right? Okay. So this is literally, li- literally just 
pictures and information and knowledge of 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 uh, of what the empire is all about. Like if you get into historicals, there'll be a book about this for the you know the the Norman Conquest armies, like of, of William the Conqueror, right? Like there there will be you know you would have this sort of apes historical setting so that you can get in there and like really nail your well. Uniforms and Heraldry. So it's a really beautiful book. They made three of these, from what I understand. There's one for Skaven, one for Empire, High Elves. And one for the High Elves. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I remember walking into the GW store, actually Warhammer World itself once, talking to one of the shopkeeps, uh, as, uh, as I think they're called, and uh, we <laughs> chatted, uh, and I was like... Poor whelps. And I was like, who the fuck are you selling? The the uh, the uh, the the unit banners and heraldry of the high elves too, and he's like, "You should meet them. They're the best people." And I was like, "And <laughs> 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 uh, Tom in the chat saying it was me. I was, was I was me. the one selling. They were selling it too." <laughs> um, I miss this very much. Yeah, I think I think that these are like I, like not rose tinted spectacles. I think these are better books than the versions of the books that we potentially get at the moment. But um, and there's some sort of mythos there. But there we go. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're more functional now. Uh, I don't necessarily agree. Like we have the Pythagorean Crusade stuff in the middle, which takes up huge portions of the book, which I don't give a fuck about. Um, but some people love them, so there we go. I would uh, say, uh, and and like especially from like putting on the the old world tinted glasses. Um, you know, you have you know the Forge World Studio. I don't even know really what that means anymore. Uh, but you have the Forge World Studio working on this, and what are they known for? They're known for very big ornate books uh that uh sort of uh you know meander and are just fun things to get lost in so like they have um fidelity like i think you determined some thousand plus amount of thousand plus pages of of content has been released for necromunda uh well i think that this is a a great example of of a world that they could also just release endless amounts of volumes on and uh each each page being a lot of fun to just savor and look at yeah, I think that I think they're excellent. Let's get, so should we uh, should we go through this a little bit? Um, sure. And then I think so because obviously none of these rules are going to be overly relevant. Uh, I think, but I think it might be quite interesting to talk about something as, si as simple as the units and maybe the upgrades and uh, and because we might see that return. We might. So do see we go on? So there's a couple things that'll probably like if we want to put our old world hats. Do we want to be a speculative podcast? Because there's also there's the games design, right? Mm. So that would be like, what are the rules and mechanics that make Empire Empire? Mm. Like, and what are the unit styles, right? Um, and then there's also the constraint of the time period because the time period that old world's going to be part of is like a very um, important moment in the empire. And it's actually kind of the birth of what in the timeline would be the modern empire. So like they have, um, like this, this is the era when, you know, uh, either, either it's, we don't know yet for sure, but based on the maps that we've seen, uh, the assumption is it's right around the vampire wars. So yeah. like, uh, you know, we haven't seen, so, uh, Sylvania like splinter off, you know, Manfred hasn't like risen up. Um, you know, it might be, um, that also puts it at the time of the, you know, like a, a period of civil war, a very heresy-esque. Um, and uh, it's also because it's at that timeline, it's before Empire, uh, the Emperor Pius the whatever. Um, and that means that there is no colleges of magic, which are massive in, in the Empire Army book as it stands here. 
um, even things like steam tanks and Hellblaster volley guns and like the newer technologies. I'm not sure, pardon me, where they fall on on like when humans actually get their grubby little mitts on them. So uh, it'll the Empire Army actually, based on the timeline, could actually play and look very different than you would see it in like the original fantasy final form. All right, well, let's, why don't we go... I was thinking, this is why I thought it would would be good for everyone at home, is because some people... Like, we could talk about how they mechanically work a bit, maybe, but I think yeah. that going into a new game system, we've got no concept if any of that's going to carry through in a lot of ways. So I more thought what we could do is roughly talk about what the units were and what their, unit, mm-hmm. what their role was in an army at that time, and then we'd touch on mechanics as we went through, and then probably whether or not we would end up with those things in the future like you know steam tanks you alluded to like will we likely see steam tank what were they like are there some funny stories you know stuff like that especially when some some of it like because this is a more modern book of the series of warhammer fantasy books especially when you go back to the ludicrousness of like you know skaven or uh bretonian you're like well this is it had a play style because it was literally stupidly written and a billion years old do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah um well scaven Sk- weren't so bad but bretonian beastman uh yeah definitely um i would say if just if i could i know you're resisting this so i'll be brief if i can yeah because there is a comp so this is still games workshop hmm. and these are this is the human faction right mm-hmm. yeah so correct. like and so th- and i and i think that that they do humans the same way pretty much always and this is just Based on what I've seen, like Cities of Sigmar, Cities of Sigmar army looks a lot like an 8th edition fantasy battle army in a lot of ways. They have, uh, you know, big units of dudes buffed by, you know, uh, things with area of effect. Um, You know, if you look at Imperial Guard, that's exactly how it works, too. You have a bunch of Imperial Guardsmen. They're a bunch of dudes. They don't do anything. But if they have an officer yelling at them or if they have a dude on a mechanical horse nearby, they become super soldiers. Um, in, In fantasy similar concept they'll have just regular dudes but they can be buffed by both righteous zeal of their uh, uh of their religious leaders or magic so those those are the things i think that that we'll probably see you'll see normal dudes but the empire will have access to ways to make their normal dudes really powerful that okay. would be my my bet yeah and I then think- they have then they have all the toys too right they're they'll have they'll have you know guns and artillery and that kind of stuff. I think you'll also, um, like, uh, I think maybe we'll touch on it maybe later, I'm not sure, but I think we, like, smart of them, in my personal opinion, to probably have city-based unique troops of some sort, like something that's like a little bit more, this city definitely has this individual type of handgunner or bowman or knight uh, or infantry that's just different, like they'll like the Marenberg handgunners, let's say, uh, or yeah. swordsmen. Like so, I think like your we- subfaction rules so that like null null because like people get really attached to their city state, right? Like I, I bought a secondhand army from Nordland. I didn't know what Nordland was. I started reading about it. Like I love the shit out of Nordland now for some reason. And I love Mary. <laughs> I love and I love. I love what I love Marienburg. And then I bought a second army that's like much better and fleshed out. It's from Sterland. But because I started from a Nordland Marienburg perspective, I hate that army. They're a bunch of stupid backwater bumpkins covered in mud and feces because they're just lowland farmers. So, you know, now I've got this this competitive army uh, filled with bumpkins. And that's 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 disappointing for me. Uh, But, you know, as it is. But, yes, I hope you're right. I hope they do allow for some flavor between and that's another reason why by the way sixth edition is very 
um, beloved because they did do stuff like that with custom army lists. Is that what they did in sixth edition? So, yeah, you could have like a null artillery army, um, you know, like they were thinking basically because sixth edition, you used a force org. Uh, so like you had to take like three units of, of, of infantry or whatever they called them troops. Um, and then you, that unlocked the ability to, you know, bring, you know, the heavy items or the, spe the rare and the special and the, and the Lords and the heroes. And then when you got to eighth edition, now you had to take a percentage in troops. So that means you couldn't bring three minimum sized units of, of dudes so that you can get all your fancy stuff. You had to spend a quarter of your army list on just rank and file dudes. Um, so that's, that was the big difference. But whereas, because you had fun force org charts in sixth edition and seventh edition, it meant that, you know, you could have an all slayers army, you could have, you know, the Nuln army. And like, there were all these things that were released in various compendiums and anthologies and white dwarfs and stuff that gave you sort of fun, specific faction feels, uh, for different things. Okay. So maybe they'll bring that back. Cause that's certainly one of the things that I think people really love about sixth. Well, I think I think that that's very exciting, especially for them painters out there that love to do a little bit of heraldry. Ooh, do, right. you, want, do you want your pantaloons to be a red and white, or are you more of a green and yellow fella? Like, I'm more of a I'm more of a yellow and blue baby, Nordland all the way. Yellow and blue. Actually, I don't know what color scheme I choose. I oft go for orange. I'm looking at Hockland right now, which is very green. Um, yeah, uh, but like these have almost these are almost like Harlequin levels of complexity in some ways on the paint schemes. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's ultimately it's sort of that uh, you know Renaissance Fair timeline. Uh, something I'd love to see actually uh, uh, in the design of the new models is just some flagrant cod pieces. This, <laughs> in in real in real history terms, this is the era of the comically large cod piece, just big old dildo in your pants going to battle with a boner. Uh, it would be great if all members, like all the, like the highest ranking officials of the empire just had huge cocks so, um, and so, like ornately carved with like brass filigree. Like it'd be sick. Can I tell you uh, something that made me really pine a little bit for the old world? It was when I was in the Quebec... Um, Quebec. Quebec. Uh, I was up, obviously, in Montreal, and they have their in front of their big cathedral. Uh, they uh -huh. ha they have uh, they have a, a a settler, a conquistador. I don't know what you guys had, uh, but uh, <laughs> some some Frenchy. Habitant. Yeah, but some Frenchy in a hat with a big feather, some pantaloons, and an absolute uh -huh. swashbuckling attitude. I looked at that and I thought. The old world is really cool. Obviously not <laughs> the the actual real life European old world because it's obviously horrible. But like the that style, and I was like, heck yes. So uh, I I could be very tempted by getting into uh, like I, I'm as we know an old Warhammer Fantasy Battle fan. So Chaos Dwarfs, yes. Lizard uh -huh. Men, yes. yes. Empire, probably yes. Dude, the problem with fantasy is that they're all yeses. Like it's, it's 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 messed up actually how there how few factions I don't have at least some desire to to, to collect and play. It's wild. Like I think who um, maybe I don't know. Like I w I would have said high elves, dark elves, but like ever since I got your dark elves, like I just I'm all I'm thinking of is like how do I get more hags? How do I scheme myself some more hydras? And I just talk myself out of buying used models all the time because I'm like, no, <laughs> stop it, <laughs> stop it. Um, and because there's only like, I don't know, 18 factions, <coughs> excuse me, um, and the army rosters are fairly tight, 
very comparable, I probably to AOS. It's tremendously collectible. Um, like my, you know, like the entire aren't the entire roster of units for all of fantasy. This probably isn't even a joke. It's probably close to what they have available for space Marines. Wow. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like space, the amount of different model kits you could buy for space for that feature a power armor space marine. It's over hundred now. Or it's over a hundred. So like, how many kits do you have in fantasy? Period. Um, probably, probably not that much more. Um, so anyway, uh, it's uh, it's it's really collectible, and I can see why you would immediately start sliding into. Oh, I can I can collect that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can have it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, you already had. Then you shipped it in a box to me. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not a problem. I can just print the rest. That's fine. That's fair. That's uh, fair. Uh, okay, so uh, let's 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 talk through the uh, the Empire Codex. So these were this were this was the army faction, book. right? So army book. Sorry, uh, this was the um, this th these are the guys. These are the main story setters, right? Like this was the obviously there were other. Do you think that in the right? I, I feel like Empire were kind of like the central point around what the game was uh, orientated. They were the they were the sun to the planets of the other factions. Yeah, they're definitely the gravity of the whole thing because you know they're they're the first person you know perspective uh, for us humans in the world. Even though there are lots of other human factions out there, uh, we can't possibly uh, you know relate to uh, the proxy Chinese faction, for example. That would be too far. Um, so, How can we emotionally or, connect? Or, or a bunch of Italians? Come on. Come on. Um, and the Spanish, they're sleeping all the time. No, no. We need the industrious Germanic people. And uh, only them. The, and only them. Uh, so, yeah, for, for whatever reason, they are the, the the gravity center of the world. And this is actually kind of an interesting thing that, again, side, side segue, coming into the old world, we have a whole different sort of setup because, you know, legend, like kind of like how in, in 40K there's stuff that's sort of legendary and you can – like there's a fog of 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 reality about it, so like you get, um, you know, historical facts in 40k that are just sort of misrecorded or like they're not really known to the people in the setting, and I think the same thing applies in fantasy. So our perspective was that of the Empire, to whom places like Cathay on the other side of the planet were just sort of legendary, or like Skaven were, you know, potentially something that you could pretend weren't real, um, you know. So like you know that from from that perspective, there's a very Fog, foggy sort of world out there uh, that is not known to you. Uh, but now, because we have, what the hell is it called? What's the third one? Uh, uh, Mighty Empires, more, Immortal Empires uh, in, in Total War, which is the entire, just about, map of the, of the old world planet, uh, which does feature places like Cathay and has a space for Ind and... <laughs> Nippon. Um, <laughs> you really don't want to say Nippon, did you? <laughs> Nip, nipple. Nippon. Nippon. Uh, okay, that's our first emote. Our first emote uh, is Nippon. Is Nippon. For, uh, and, for and what are you going to choose to be the Nippon emote? Let's be careful there, all right? <laughs> this is a really chilly uh, person. In England, yes. you, you've got a Nippon if you're cold. Oh, you got a Nippon. Is that because your nipples are hard? Yes. Or is it just that you yeah. have a nip Ooh, comma I've got a Nippon is what yeah, you would say you. in England. Yes. Um, so anyway, the reason why I'm digressing this savagely is just that like the world since the game ended has gotten bigger and more defined. And these are places that are, you know, now have like real characters to them. And immediately I'm like, well, what the fuck were they doing when the whole thing was blowing up? Like, where were these dragon guys? 
You know, yeah, like, yeah, what were they, they, yeah, what were they about while the world ended? <laughs> what are you doing, guys? Like, come on, what were you doing during the war? Uh, so, uh, you know, there's lots of there's lots of coolness and there's a lot more space, uh, which, again, digression on digression. Uh, one of the things that they say killed the old world is that there wasn't enough creative space. Oh, my God. It didn't God. have no, any places they could that. go with the story all the time. This is the official the official line. And, and Peachy and his, like, why did the— why did they kill uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy on on his channel? Talks about how you know, the painting just wasn't phase. Enough. If you'd like to go watch it, yeah, it's it's perfectly good. But what it is, it's it's the party line on why this happened. Yeah. And the party line is that they they were too constricted by one planet. They wanted to be able to just create freely. No. And this is absurd, of course, because you're that's like saying the history of planet Earth is not enough. <laughs> not enough space to come up with fun and interesting stories. <laughs> and all of uh, its peoples and all of its mythology. And, uh, and, and all, forever and all time. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's too constricted. How dare I, you? I, they I they did seven I'm, I'm different German human factions, right? I'm That's box. <laughs> you know, so anyway, uh, so now I think, I think conclusively, uh, uh, yeah, you know, Creative Assembly and also the guys who do the RPG. So um, who's that? Uh is that Fantasy Flight games? It used to be Fantasy um, Flight. Is it Modifius? I'm not sure. Anyway, they're still being created, and the lore has been moving forward in that particular area um, and uh, are being fleshed out. Keep so, like, seven. the world... Thank you. Uh, so the world is a much bigger place than it was when they blew it up because it was too small, uh, ironically. Um, so I digress, and I digress, and I digress. We were talking Empire units, I believe. No, no, no. I think that's all. I think that's all wildly relevant, and uh, absolutely love having you on. Yeah, like the. Um, uh, it's. I think that there's a lot of, of room for this, uh, like to grow. Too small. And then, this and, planet is small. It's so small. I've got nothing, and but it has already massively grown. Like I like I love playing Immortal Empires on. Uh, like I know where everywhere is in the old world now from having played Immortal Empires. And I think that that actually gives it... Uh, Mortal, Mortal Empires, you say? Oh, <laughs> look at my new graphics card ready to play. <laughs> it's not working. Oh, all right. All right, okay, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about the units that we find. So let's just... There's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, before we talk about anything else, if you've yeah. never played Warhammer We're Fantasy Battle... We're picking these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've never... Edging them. Yeah, we're edging them. If you've never played Warhammer Fantasy Battle, then one of the things that happens, and we'll talk about a lot, is that you could take upgrades. So, uh, like 40k, 40k's kind of got this. You you can pay for, like, weapons upgrades. It doesn't really happen in Age of Sigma. Um, you can pay for armor upgrades. You can pay for artifacts. You can pay for all manner of things um, in this, which I really liked. Like, it was complicated, sure. Um... But it was quite fun. And it also it added some validity when you purchased a thing. Like if you were like, going to put full plate armor on this guy. It's important. Need that. Barding on a war horse, you got it. Like, like it, it felt real, uh, especially when you then combine that, obviously, with the miniature itself. Yeah, you're like, excuse me, your horse doesn't have barding, so uh, I'm throwing you out the gonna... tournament and I'm going to burn your army. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't um, happen. That didn't happen. Yeah. So to give... To give some context too, like so, uh, in Eighth Edition, they shifted a lot of, and this is this is uh, similar again to the design philosophy of the company at the time. You see this in Seventh Edition as well in the army books. You had tremendous granularity in in uh, in like um, special artifacts and things that you could take in the books, and they took those out and they made them genericized and they put them in the core rulebook. 
So the the army, uh, so the the magical items, banners, and stuff like that that were available to everyone was much more comprehensive. And then they added a few pages for flavor into each and every book, which from a designing perspective, I can see being much easier to deal with and an uh, understandable move. However, pissed everyone right the fuck off because now they lost all their flavor. You know, you don't have all of your... Oh, really? Different... I quite like yeah. the generic artifacts. I, I like, like, which is kind of weird because I think they're very tough to balance. But I think I think having something like the Dispel Scroll was like, okay, they're strong, but I get a Dispel Scroll. That's great. 100%, right? And that's and that's why... So I guess there's a pro and con, right? Because, like, either everyone has to have a dispel, dispel Scroll in their book or, like, one one faction doesn't. They're like, what the fuck? You know, like... Uh, or they put... They give it to everybody, and then how does that make, for example, you know, uh, you know, uh, other armies more powerful, right? So it's kind of a... It's, it's a tough thing to judge, but I do think that it's more manageable if everyone... If you come into it, table stakes, you know everyone has to deal with these particular interactions... Um, but so this list of artifacts, all I'm saying, yes, it's fun and flavorful, Rob, but ooh, there's apparently a lot more in the world of sixth and seventh edition books. Okay. Um, I like that. You see this complaint very, very strongly put forward, especially with vampire counts. Cause you lose all of the bloodlines and, and stuff like that. The so. key element that I liked, cause this is important cause in age Sigma right now, there are a bunch of generic artifacts as there are in 40k, like a warlord trait, uh, or, you know, uh, a relic. Uh, they they normally are limited in how much you can take, like because you play CP or you artifact or whatever. Like your ability to take them is limited and reduced, but their cost is always the same, and that artificially, in my opinion, cheapens the whole process. I quite mm. like that uh, the magic carpet is uh, fifty points, hundred points, whichever it was. Um, mm -hmm. Like I liked that element because I was like, wow, that is you know, like, it's pretty cool. A magic carpet, that's a lot of points. You know, mm -hmm. that's fifty skavens slaves worth of magic carpet <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah, and I was, I, I, yeah. go on. no no it's just there was all kinds of stuff like that right and and you did pay and like i guess that's the thing is like they they move after this time from paying for things and trying to like assign points values to benefits to just giving it away for free because i guess they got frustrated so like you got like the era of free rules is not yet so this is not yet the era. And you see it in the end time. So in the end time, they start adding in what became, what were known as formations. I don't know what they were called in fantasy. But basically, if you take these particular units, you get these extra rules. Battalions. And that uh, – maybe they're – yeah, maybe that's exactly what it is. Um, and then there's different army lists that they do as well in the end time. So you get that sort of free rule mentality. Um, but, uh, you know, at this time, it's, you know, if you want something, you got to pay for it. And then, of course, that opens up the issue of things that are too efficient or very efficient. Uh, and there's the auto takes. And ultimately, if you have a list of choices and they're of unequal quality, there's going to be a best choice. And so that's what you start seeing. You see the fact that you never see any arcane items other than a dispel scroll, right? Like you, there's, there's certain things that just are, are pretty much always in, um, in, in an army. And as far as these particular, uh, you know, items are concerned, you're not going to see a grenade launching blunderbuss or really any of the engineers' special weapons, despite how cool and flavorful they might seem. Uh, but you will see a couple of the banners, um, uh, and that's essentially it. One and meteoric iron. Uh, there's a there's a um, uh, there is a uh, an armor that works. The rune fang. Okay, there's a handful of stuff. All right, there's a handful of things that you definitely would take out of this book from a from a 
artifact perspective. Yeah, I actually like the point. I like points value on them because I think you actually, if in the next version they put that in, you can balance them better. You're like, okay, everyone's taking this, then we'll put the points up. That seems more reasonable than a system where you can't ever like do that, right? You'd like you would yeah. have to just change the rules on each one every time, uh, which I think makes it uh, like very fun. Uh, by the way, thank you very much. Um, uh, to uh, like Dadbod for diff- go donating a gift subscription in the chat. Also, someone's pointed out, uh, of course, that you did have save points. That if you were to take a bunch of halberdiers, let's say, and you wanted that to be led by a champion uh, who normally had better leadership, uh, you would have to pay the points for that. And then a banner guy, same thing, and a musician, same thing. And they normally were worth it, but it was super cool, in my personal opinion. All right? Um, I quite like that. Jeff it. Brown Jeff Brown also brings up a really interesting uh, wrinkle of of this era, which Tell is me. that army army lists were secret. Um, so you did not reveal to your opponent who had what items. Oh, so yeah. it was always a surprise, like a like so like <laughs> you were talking about how like there wasn't a game that you have ever played where you just like it was such a waste of time sometimes where you just like walked up and like you just lose. And like it, it's interesting that they built in these in this era a lot of like, like gotcha hammer mechanics on purpose. <laughs> um, and I guess like, for example, I lost a game in the only tournament I've been to uh, against Skaven because I wasn't, I didn't know enough about the obvious choices Skaven would take and what that would do for their units. Mm. So like, had I, had I had one other game against Skaven, I would have known probably to, a, to a, to a rat, which, which ones had which items. So like the like secret item thing didn't, wouldn't have mattered, but because there was secret items and on top of that, I was ignorant of what the items could be. Like he got like tremendous advantage over me, um, and uh, and like I wound up losing. Um, you know, not only because of that, but largely because of that. So um, anyway, it's it's an interesting mechanic that I think for two advanced players adds a deal of like a bit of like uh, cloak and dagger subterfuge, like will he, won't he, did he, didn't he type stuff. Um, you, know, you have a bluffing mechanic built in, but if you have uh, uneven knowledge. Uh, it's just feel bad all the way. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think I f- forgot that or did not know that or I just told people. I don't remember which. Some tournaments, I, I, I would suspect some tournaments didn't play with closed lists, but by the rule book, it would be a, it would be a secret list. And there's a lot of items actually that like force you to reveal things or like, you know, like your opponent like has to tell you who has what and shit like that. And spells, there's a few spells that'll do that. Um, so yeah, it's, oh, it's something yeah. that was, was definitely, definitely... Uh, part of the design of the game, but I think probably at a tournament level uh, because of the (laughs) rage inducing table flipping and the like possibility that maybe you're like guy who had this item. In fact, you know, just magically was in fact, this guy has this item, not that guy. No, no, no. The guy with the Brown staff, not the black staff. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, there's a lot of room room for shitty people. Not return. Me no too. return on that. That's good. Uh, so uh, we've talked about upgrades a little bit. Maybe we could, maybe another show, we can just go through literally the generic core rulebook for 8th. And uh, we could talk about artifacts, spell law. We could do a whole show on the spell law. Spell law tier list when. Um, we'll do that at some point. That could be fun. Uh, but yeah, you see a bunch of Empire stuff here. You can see full plate armor. It uh, gives you a four up armor save, so you can equip that on people. Uh, there are things like repeater. But again, the the elements aren't that important. Uh, a grenade launching blunderbuss can be equipped to someone, potentially, uh, which is quite cool. I think I remember doing a lot of full plate armor uh, on yep. people. Um, yep. That was something I took. And also pigeon bombs. 
I don't think anyone ever took a pigeon bomb, buddy. No one took a, <laughs> no one took a pigeon bomb, buddy. But everyone no. wanted to take a pigeon bomb. Come that's, on. That's that's every single thing, and it's like two pages, like at least a solid page anyway of of like. So they have the Imperial engineers, and they have a bunch of like fun, like James Bond Q style weapons, uh, including a mechanical horse. Who wrote it better? The answer: the Imperial engineer. Um, and uh, and uh, well, fun things like uh, the Hawkland long rifle. Uh, which is something that uh, just sort of goes away, like my screen. There it's back. Good. Uh, they had mechanical steeds, pigeon bombs, repeater handguns. That that one you might see. Uh, the repeater pistol. There's just so many fun things, um, and a lot of them just wouldn't have been used. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Lots of fun stuff. All right. So let's just jump straight into it. So our first unit is the generic. So you had named characters in the game. And you had the generic characters. Uh, and the first one was the commander of the empire. So, again, slightly different to kind of modern games, or maybe not quite. But you had lords and heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. So lords were different to a hero. Uh, they just generally had a better stat profile, uh, effectively. Yes. They also had more of a points allowance that they could spend on upgrades as well. Um, Usually, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you commander the empire is a lord of the empire, so uh, like slightly better. The the lord and hero system did that get introduced? Do you know when and where that got introduced into the game system? And do you think we'll see that whole system return, lords and heroes? I think lords and heroes existed in sixth, but again, it was a force org chart, force org chart thing. Uh, whereas in eighth edition, it comes down to a percentage. So before the end times. You could have up to 25% of your army as lords and 25% of your army as heroes, I think. I don't think it's combined. So um, that meant in a 2,400-point game, you could have up to 600 points on your lords um, and or heroes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the thing that happens in the end time is they increase that to 50%. Um, and uh, so, that allows, so that allows you to bring – because the thing that – the thing is, is like – in 6th and 7th edition, I, I don't know why, but there's also a weird cultural thing against special characters. This is a thing in, in Warhammer. I don't know if it was if it was just like uh, that they were sort of taboo because they're supposed to be rare and like everyone was supposed to be real role-playing, just a random battle. So why is like Nagash and and like, I don't know, Archeon at every engagement? You know what I mean? Like, so for whatever reason, like Warhammer resisted special characters. And so in 8th edition, they were punished because they, for the most part, were overpointed. So almost either either literally impossible to take because they would be more than 600 points um, in the case of a lot of guys, um, or they were just way too pricey with the exception of every book will have a few standout special characters that were you know worthwhile considering or taking. But like the biggest guys, like the ones that are like on the cover, um, you know, on their favorite dragon or mount, generally speaking, just never saw play because they were too pricey. Uh, from a points perspective. Uh, yep. What you always generally saw in 8th edition, though, if your army had the ability to get it, was a level 4 wizard. Um, Which so, meant like, you could yes, cast the, 4 spells. Cast 4 spells, um, you know, had the uh, best opportunity to to dispel as a result, um, and, uh, um, you know, uh, was able to carry more items, therefore was able to bring some more of the, 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 the stuff along with them. Uh, was just a, a reliable casting powerhouse, and you kind of just always needed one. And generally speaking, one of your heroes was also going to be a wizard too, so that they could be your scroll caddy to bring a dispel scroll. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, with Empire, I don't think you would see many armies that didn't feature, uh, you know, at least one um, 
uh, battle wizards or a wizard lord level four of some kind. Um, and then after that, you're probably looking at arc lectors on the uh, war altar of Sigmar because of his buffing abilities and just like so friggin' awesome. Um, but yeah, that would be probably, you probably don't see just a run of the mill general of the empire very often. They're probably not really a, a, a peak choice. They got some neat, they got the hold the line rule, some neat things. You're more likely to probably see, uh, instead, uh, if you wanted like a beat stick dude, um, you know, one of the, uh, uh, leaders of the Knights, uh, like Templar, uh, what are they called? Um, chapter masters. I think they're chapter masters. So no, like you're more likely so. to see one of those guys when you're building a comp, uh, the nightly or grandmaster. There you go. Um, when you're building a, uh, you know, like if you wanted to build a beat stick empire character, you're probably going to be reaching for either. Well, not yeah, You're going to reach for a grandmaster. So the guys who lead the, the mounted knights of the empire. <clears throat> yeah. And so, and, and, and again, important point, although we'll go through each in, in order, um, important point, maybe for the uh, commander of the empire, like, unfortunately for him, that level four, like spellcasting was so strong in, in at least in eighth edition. Um, crucial that, as well. Uh, yeah. Crucial and strong. The, uh, that being a part of that, it, like not taking part in what is effectively rolling six dice and winning the game element of the game uh, feels like you're really handicapping yourself from like uh, not uh, like not being a part of it. So you generally wouldn't see it. And so and if you're spending points on a lord who's a wizard and you almost have to do it, you're probably not going to get the commander of the empire. Although I want to point out. Badass sculpt the commander of the empire. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably a, a number of different models you can use. There's a, he's he's a bit of the primarius lieutenant of Warhammer models, so there, there there are a lot of different options that you could use for him, including a plastic kit. Yeah. Um and uh, and others. Um, the one that you'll see almost virtually always is the captain of the empire, um, rather than the commander of the empire. Because the other thing is too is is if, even if you don't go magic heavy with a battle wizard. The Empire have their um, their priests. So you have uh, the Arc Lector, uh, who's their big-time priest, and they have access to prayers, which work like spells, but have a lot of benefits like they never miscast, so they never explode um, or kill and kill yourself. Um, they're not as good at fighting stuff, but they, they buff significantly dudes around them. Um, and so they are really outstanding choices uh, at either the Lord level and certainly also at the hero level. But basically, the commander of the empire, unless you have a real specific reason for wanting to bring one of those guys, maybe you want to role play an electric count or something, there's really no reason to bring one. Yeah, I love the idea that they're role playing. Let's go straight away. I am an electric count. Uh, yes, some of the electric cunts. <laughs> some of them. Uh, okay, so then, so then, yeah. So and then they would have uh, like they would have. And like you said, there were loads of different sculpts, uh, and I think that's very viable. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, the the spellcasting drawn back, and maybe the 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 on foot characters a little bit more heroic. But ultimately, you know, your regular human dude uh, attempting to go up against a vampire. Uh, was uh, was never gonna work out for him. But he might he might be kitted out, right? He might have the right magic with him, like 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 uh, items wise, right? Like there's lots of ways a, a human being can can take on a vampire. We've covered them: garlic, uh, wooden stakes through the chest. I mean, there's 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 things that you can do here. We've all seen Van Helsing. Um, also, something to bear in mind too, from a magic perspective, is that the world at this uh, from an old, from the old world, the world is less magical, literally. So the winds of magic sort of flow through this polar vortex and they sort of ebb and flow over the years. That's what this expansion, basically fantasy, uh, 
fantasy apocalypse is all about. It's about a, a, a set of a series of years where the winds of magic blow strong and they're extra powerful. Um, but they also, every time they sort of ramp up and come back, they ramp up and they stay a little stronger. So in this era, we have like the rise of another um, uh, chosen of chaos. So I can't remember his name. His name isn't nearly as cool as Archeon, but it's, I don't know, it's like some weird German thing. And so he's 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 rising up. So the winds of magic are more powerful, but they're not as powerful as they are at the end of eighth edition. So lore wise, we are likely to see a little power down in the overall like OPness, powerfulness of magic. Good. And you also at the beginning of this setting, humans do not practice magic. So the the elves they were uh, taught actually by come the over. Elves. Yeah, Teclas comes over and actually starts the colleges of magic, and that. As far as I can tell, and this is a little weird, as far as I can tell, that happens at the what will I assume to be the end of the old world timeline. So the end of the old world timeline is there's this great war against chaos. Magnus, uh, the, the, the pious, rises and unites the empire again, and they ride up to Kislev, and Teclis teaches them how to use magic, and they uh, start a school where they can all study it, and the first... Um, you know, like head mage, um, who later on is Balthazar Gelt. Um, uh, you know, the first, what, are the, what is that guy called? He's a, he's the, oh, come on, come on. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but you know, like all of, so a lot of the things that like empire's final form, as it appears in this book really comes from the end of what I assume is the story arc of the old world. So what the empire is at the beginning of it, all bets are off. It might not even be a single thing, you know, like what you said before, maybe you know, what you see are three different factions, each with Supreme Patriarch. Thank you, Riccio Santi. Riccio Santi. Um, uh, you know, maybe you see, uh, you know, like a series of like same, same, but different factions that, you know, you can choose to LARP as. I don't know. Sorry, I blacked out. That's okay. That's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> There's a lot of lore in there. The only, thing that, the only thing that would really be consistent that I could see giving the Empire like some of the power that they have is the, is the Cult of Sigmar stuff and the Cult of Ulrich stuff. So their religiosity. Um, I think they're going to lean. Think, I, that's what I was going to say. I think that they're actually going to, instead of make, Teclis making a, a school for humans who can't magic good, thanks to Exigent Midnight in the chat, uh, I think they're going to end up, <laughs> because because there was like a, there's also some army rules that we've kind of skipped over. It's not that it's super important, but they have regiments, and those regiments kind of back each other up. And I assume they're going to lean into the religiosity of it. They're going to, like, they, it's the faith, it's the prayers, and then it's going to be, like, the brother-in-arms, like, regimental element, like the actual... The fact yeah. that they can construct regimented armies is going to be the point yeah. of the of the range. So Battle Wizard's probably not as cool, but maybe we'll see some like, you know, some travelers who traveled and were like sure. and yeah. uh, learn magic somehow. Or like or like, el you know, uh, elvish allies or, or whatever. But like uh, a point you brought up there, too, might be that like the way you differentiate the, the human, you know, sub factions of the Empire is perhaps you know, like where Magnus is from and like those guys, I hope I'm saying, I hope his name is Magnus. I think it's Magnus Apias. Magnus Apias, the chat saying, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, the, you know, they're the religious nut, nut cases and they're the ones that, you know, are imbued with the power of Sigmar, but maybe, you know, the guys from the, you know, Northwest, they're rich cause they're traders. So they have like fancier gear and they're, they're better trained. And, you know, like the, the known folks, they have the artillery. So maybe you have more of a rock, paper, scissors thing going on with, with mechanics amongst different armies of the empire. They don't all get everything, which is what you get in the final form. 
So maybe that's maybe that's the way they differentiate and make it a little interesting. But in general, you're going to see less magic for these guys. And I think in the world, you'll see less magic. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad there's less magic because that was, I think, one of the issues. Okay. So, uh, but Battle Wizards, we might see Battle Wizards return. Uh, okay. The Imperial Zoo is next. Uh, and I'm going to just yep. fly through these a little bit. Imperial Zoo. The Imperial Zoo. Most of these As- were, were mounts. Uh, that you would take on your characters, or some of them were mounts that you would take on your characters, uh, yep. and then and then we get to the Imperial Dragon, which I can't remember. Uh, so those Imperial never Griffins, uh, yeah, never existed. That was it. So Imperial <laughs> Griffins, Imperial Dragon, uh, and then there was the Imperial Pegasi, and then they never made a sculpt for the Imperial Dragon. So we never had a wizard or a lord that you could take on an Imperial Dragon. If I'm right. I'm, you are right, and I don't even think so because Forge World released a series of breathtaking dragons, one of which you, you in, in fact, sent me. One is called the Carmine Dragon. There were some very large ones that they did. I don't think any of them were specifically the Imperial Dragon, which is wild. Um, this is apparently uh, you know, just a very big, badass dragon. They got chained up somewhere under a mountain, uh, and Carl Franz is uh, such an alpha that he's able to uh, just ride it. Um, but he chooses not to. Instead, he rides his mutant double headed gigantor griffin deathclaw um and uh you know that's pretty badass too um but yeah pegasus though mm, that pegasi super useful also if you have to find yourself playing uh warmer fantasy battles eighth edition pay attention to that stat line it is a g we got we got a strength toughness of four three fucking wounds initiative four two attacks and it's got these hoofs that'll screw you up man the pegasus don't sleep on it you put your you put your standard berry much like Rob loves the uh, the the, uh, the standard bear on a on a on a on a on a disc of Zinch, so you can so you can fly around. The Empire's got that too. It's a it's a hero, a captain on a Pegasus with the magic item, just run around messing dudes up. Awesome. Yeah. So this is kind of like a bestiary of like you know mounts <laughs> that you can take on heroes and characters. Uh, I expect the Griffins and the Pegasi to return, and I I kind of also expect there to be some subfaction slash cities that have access to more of these, not le- and, and not less. Well, like, I mean specific. I mean. Sp- Yes, for sure. And like, as far as dragons go, hopefully we see, uh, you know, the high elves and uh, what's his face, Eltharion. Yes. Um, anyway, also Carl uh, Franz got that BDE big dragon energy from BJD. <laughs> <laughs> BDE big dragon energy. That's a new emote for the show. Uh, so <clears throat> write that down. Uh, okay. most, most most BDE since the Khaleesi uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we also you could take upgrades for these these monsters slash mounts as well. So that was another thing you were able to do. Yep. Um, yeah, for sure. You can you could do that. Don't forget them. Ironheart hooves uh, was pretty dope. Um, that was the because they stomp because they're they're actually mon. That's right. They're monstrous. Uh, that's right. Beast. They're monstrous beasts. Uh, so <clears throat> there are different unit types. For example, you'll see over on the left there, the Griffin is a monster. A monstrous beast though uh, can join a unit if it's a unit of monstrous beasts and benefit from lookout sir rules, which means that they can't be picked off as easily. Um, so, you know, Imperial Pegasi is also a bit more survivable that way, and they can hide with, say, your unit of demigriffs, uh, which is kind of neat. Um, so, yeah, let's keep rolling. There's a billion different uh, billion different things, and I got about 34 minutes, so let's ride. Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, God. Actually, no, 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 no. I got, I got, 
I got like 45 minutes. I got like 45 minutes. Okay, okay. all right. We'll, we'll, we'll whip through. Next up, master, <laughs> master Engineers. So obviously, like, it's the Empire. So we're in a kind of like, it was kind of an odd, like, level of technology. We were all, we were, I guess we were kind of like 15th, 16th century Europe. We had black powder stuff. We kind of looked to the stars and we could do simple math. But we also could build steam engines in steam tanks and stuff, but rudimentary. So also 18th century kind of level. So somewhere between those two. Yeah, they kind of mix up a lot of the like tropes of steampunk, but also clockwork, um, like a lot of clockwork machinery type things in, in the Empire. And also they mix in a little bit of that 40K forgotten knowledge flavor because the, the Empire um, learned their technology from the dwarves. So the dwarves are the ones who... Uh, are like the Prometheus myth of the humans. They come down from the mountains. They're like, these stupid humans need some help. I can't remember why they do it, but they teach them how to make cannons. They teach them how to make the steam tank. Um, and the stupid guy, the basically the Arkan land of, of fantasy. I can't remember his name. It's something Da Vinci. Um, Marangelo Da Vinci or something like that uh, <laughs> is, is the guy who invents the steam tank. He dies, and of course, it's too complicated. They can't figure out how to build them. Uh, anymore. So master engineers are neat. So simultaneously, humans have very, very advanced technology, but are also a little bit confounded by it. And uh, our, our, their technology is, is sort of surpasses them in a way similar to 40K, but not quite. For the most part, they, you know, are actively learning. They have a school, uh, you know, in Nuln where they, you know, try and figure out new gear and tech. And, um, you know, like they are, they are not a ignorant people. They are, you know, actively trying to get better at this stuff. Um, and, uh, they just can't remember how to make a steam tank for some stupid reason. Well, he, um, was, he was also really good in an army cause you could stick him next to a cannon and then you could say 10 from the back lads. <laughs> so <laughs> more specifically <laughs> at the, the hell blaster volley gun, which is just a, uh, just a friggin' just an amazing splooge of death. It is just hot molten death and really relies on being able to reroll misfires. Um, whereas a cannon, I don't know your odds of being successful with a cannon without a reroll are still pretty damn good. Um, so I don't know if you necessarily bring a master engineer, but if you have a hell blaster volley gun, mm, 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 you're going to want one of those engineers. there, just making sure everything goes according to plan because it's filthy what it can do. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, so now we're seeing, like, the commander, like, buffs the troops. Uh, you know, the the wizard buffs everything. Yeah. The engineer specifically more orientated about war machines. And that's kind of the cool element of, like, these books, I thought, is you ended up with these. Like, I, and again, these have been explored, in my opinion, a lot more in, like, the Total War series. You know, mm -hmm. they've, they've, you know, they've created, like, different little characters, heroes, like, that really benefit these different units. And I'd like to see those extrapolated out and put back in, to uh, the old world when it comes out. Next up is Warrior Priests. Uh, so you have the yeah. Arch Lector, which is the Lord version, and then you just have Warrior Priests, which are the Foot version. And these are the Faith Boys. These love yes. a good bit of Sigmar um, and praying. So one of the interesting things about fantasy in general is that you have, and this is, I think, one of the reasons why I'm not with you on the team Magic is 2 OP, um, is because... Magic is a really finite resource. So basically you get mana or points by rolling your 2d6 for the winds of magic. So that means on average you're getting seven dice that you can commit to roll a spell. For example, any of these prayers in order to get them off, I believe is a four up. So essentially very easy to get on two dice. 
um, and even possible to get rolling one dice. But if you have seven dice and you have an Arc Lector and you have a level four Battle Mage who probably has four spells to choose from, you suddenly have real tough economies of choice. So you don't have a lot of resources to spend on a lot of really tasty options. There's basically nothing that this guy does that isn't frigging incredible that you want to have happen every turn. But you also have a battle mage or two that can also do things that are friggin' amazing and you want to do every single turn. So it forces these choices that are really, really difficult and a lot of fun and melt your brain when you're when you're when you try to make them. But this this warrior priest, like for example, uh, provides a ward save to everyone uh, uh, in his unit um, on five up. Ward save is an invulnerable or an or what do they call it in in Sigmar? Do they uh, do they so have we, them? Uh, we don't have ward saves. Like we do have literally the word ward save, but it's actually a feel no pain as you would call it in forty k. Got it. So after the save, save. Yeah, yeah. after the save, save. <laughs> we call it. We, we always called it a DPR on the show before they called it a ward, so a damage prevention roll. Because it would be Got whatever it. your armor say. But like anyway, that's a side note. Uh, um, uh, but you have like this guy can uh, first. He basically he provides hatred automatically. So if he's in the units, that means he's rerolling hits. If he's just in the unit, uh, that's that is a passive. So that he doesn't require anything to do that. But he can also make the unit reroll wounds. Uh, so you can see how suddenly you're like derpy dudes. In uh, in pantaloons and uh, and pirate shirts are suddenly getting pretty beastly with just one very uh, you know uh, religious guy nearby and then the one that's particularly awesome and was wonderful for me in a matchup I played against trolls who are sensitive to fire is soul fire so anything around him is granted flaming attacks which meant my hellblaster volley guns and cannons that he happened to be standing next to uh, also had flaming attacks and I was able to just murder his trolls. And he was like, I've never seen anyone do this before. And I was like, Internet baby. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Um, but uh, yeah, and then I think to just I... polish this all off. The This guy standing in a unit is good. But then you get an arc lector, the lord level of this guy. And he stands on this sick friggin chariot thing with a giant golden griffin. I don't know if anyone hasn't seen it, but like it doesn't exist anymore. It's so beautiful. I accidentally bought three um, and uh, <laughs> you only ever need one. I'm just stupid. Um, and, uh, and it's incredible. And, uh, that gives him a bubble of six inches where all of this stuff happens. So now you can start seeing how we got, we got a little stew going here. Got a little stew going here. This guy in the middle of all of your junk dudes, uh, is going to turn them into some whipped up frenzied nutcases who just love Sigmar so much. They want to crush. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think we will see this come back in strength, in my opinion. Personally, also, I really liked it because you got to run like more of a paladin esque character while also being quite clearly like out of your mind as a zealot. So like, it's quite a cool like archetype of a kind of character to build into. There were loads of different sculpts, which was really really fun. And um, and yeah, like I I'd like I would like to see them push that element of the empire personally because then because. And importantly, several of the empire actually pray to different gods. Um, so, like, yeah, yeah it's it's almost identical to 40k. You've got the wolf god. Well, I guess I guess 40k also has the machine god. Um, I guess. Well, I wonder if there is a third god. There probably are, isn't there? This is maybe a piece I'm ignorant about. It. Do you know of other gods aside from Ulrich and Sigmar? Ulrich, Sigmar. I don't know if I do actually. Uh, but I maybe feel like, I feel like the lady on the dragon that you gave me, I feel like she's part of another cult. Apparently there are nine, well. says Garion in the chat. God damn. There's there Shali, go. so Shali is healing Tal. So maybe what we'll end up with is a god per sub-faction city, potentially. 
Like, and you you wind up with you know the one god to rule them all because monotheism and shit. Yes. Oh, so not only will it be a, a civil war, it'll be a religious civil war. Great theme. I can see that. Okay. I can see that. Okay, that's pretty fun. Um, okay. Next up, we got witch More. hunters. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, uh, these were these are these are fun. Uh, they, yes. The sculpts are great, and then they're very like the art for this one is particularly fantastic. Uh, and I mean, vampires were very real. A vampire was literally one of the counts in the empire, or wanted to be a count <laughs> in the empire. Uh, I love the lore too. Around that is just like. He's just got a lot of like giving off a lot of vampire vibes, and everyone's just like, "Nah, man, he's just he's just a, he's a he's a night owl. He just likes a party. <laughs> nah, nah, he's not a vampire." Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, can uh, you scroll up a hot uh, just a half a second? I just want to look at some of the crunch here. Okay. Uh, magic resistance too. That's why you take a witch hunter. Because uh, so, so when uh, you so when you put him in a unit, he gave the unit magic resistance too. Which um, basically gives you a five upward save against damage caused from magic attacks. So it doesn't save you against everything, but uh, he wasn't shit actually, Estugian one. Uh, you see, you see the witch hunter weasel into tournament lists uh, fairly frequently. Uh, not like uh, like as a neat. He's a neat piece of tech. Um, uh, some of which would be a beyond me, uh, but certainly the witch hunter doesn't not exist. There are some things that just don't exist, and the witch hunter isn't one of them. Uh, yeah. Okay. The um, uh, the bit to kind of point out now that that Val's pointed out twice is that actually having these characters in or importantly attached to units granted you a buff, and I think that we're going to continue to see that in whatever the old world brings out. I think you're probably not going to get like the like because obviously Fort K and they do a lot of like aura stuff. Um, but if you take something like uh, Game of Thrones, what they do is they have it that you attach a um, they attach a hero to a unit. And then, mm -hmm. like, and I think I think we'll see that return. Um, and so, like, you're effectively upgrading a unit via a character. You know. Yeah. And so that's exactly right. And this is also the era of GW rules writing known as Death Stars. So you would have uh, specifically the real the real baddies of the of the meta would have been, um, you know, your Warriors of Chaos Death Stars, and very much so, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, High Elves. So your your Phoenix Guard. Uh, basically unkillable mother effers, especially if you had any magic for various reasons. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, like, the ability to pack rule upon rule upon rule onto, like, one unit, making them ultra, ultra, ultra efficient. Um, this is a very uh, core thing of games design that maybe it was unintended consequences or I'm not sure. So um, guys like this could be a useful um, little piece of tech that you might splash in in places because it's also pretty cheap, too. Yeah. Oh, Brett's uh, saying it's also the same with Conquest, or The Last Age of Kings, which is another ranked fa fantasy battle game. So maybe we just maybe maybe it just feels like if you're doing a ranked game, because how do you put heroes in? Aura is a little bit difficult. So maybe that's just that's just kind of like a a very tried and tested method of attaching buffs. Uh, so Witch Hunter. I mean, I, I like that. I would like to see the Witch Hunter have some anti-vampire stuff if that's going to be a thing that continues. So auras auras exist full stop in in this in this game system like no doubt like in, and empire especially benefits from auras uh, and they get wacky because they don't they exist but they don't really get addressed that was actually I don't know if you remember when eighth edition fantasy 40k came out uh, they actually described what an aura was and this was like this is like finding the Dead Sea Scrolls like people <laughs> people like were were in great disagreement over like the actual definitions and limits of auras like for example if you put a uh, a unit with an aura inside of a building, 
does the aura work? Um, you know, rules is written in this. Uh, you have to sort of take a guess based on what happens when you put ranged units in a building. <laughs> so, like, you have to kind of infer what might happen with something that has an area of effect. Um, so, yeah, there's 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 weird clunkiness in the rules there. That's just a, a result of poor clarity and no FAQ for some stupid reason. Yeah, it's it's an it's an uh, it's it's odd. Okay, so uh, getting on to the big guy. Well, I mean, the kind of troops. So you did have troops. You had heroes and lords, which we talked about, and then you ended up with troops, and then you had rares and exotic. Yeah, troops were core. Yeah, troops are core, and then you would have special, and then you would have rare. And so based on like, so you could have as many core as you liked, but you had to have a minimum of 25% of your points spent on core, which actually is really not that hard for Empire. Um, uh, you can go heavy cavalry. You can go, you know, like, uh, you know, a block or two of, of halberdiers. They're strength four. And with all the buffing stuff that we just described, kind of the no-brainer option. Um, you might have some arguments for swordsmen. Eh. Uh, spearmen, definitely a hard no, uh, even though they fight in more ranks. Uh, essentially, what you were looking at here is halberdiers, 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 and big bricks of them, uh, buffed by a lot of the dudes we just talked about. So yeah, you would you, so you would have a bunch of guys, right? And then like, because they're just your regular human dudes, and these are mm -hmm. definitely going to make it. Like, I expect to see arch lectors, witch hunters, um, uh, priests, I, wizards. We're actually putting a question mark over, which is actually not something I was expecting at the start of the show. I wasn't thinking question mark over wizards for nope. uh, for that. Uh, I think I'm virtually guaranteed no wizards. I would I'd say the, the timeline that they're hinting at is predates Imperial wizardry. doesn't exist. That's right. So That's uh, maybe cool. you'll have characters, like you said, like maybe who like have some magical taste, but I would bet that they're more focused on religious zealotry. Uh, I think that is a that's a pretty pretty good insight. That's interesting. Well, and now we're moving on to like so these are like this is what you're definitely going to be painting a lot of either blue and purple, orange and gold, uh, double green, who knows? Uh, but like your state troops or your infantry, um, and, and you know, and there are other units as well. But like I think these are going to be. I don't, do you think that they? Do you think the old sculpts hold up? Do you think that we're going to see? these old sculpts return? That's the kind of big question for me. The state troop, I think, still exists. Um, it does still uh, exist. It exists so, yeah, in the, Sigma. Yeah, so um, there are some other kits, too, that were just yanked for no reason uh, that are awesome. The archer sculpt is actually really awesome. That's another unit, by the way, that you would see as a detachment on its own because they're good as, um, as uh, chaff. So chaff is very important in 8th edition. Uh, the ability to sort of speed bump or redirect charges and things like that. So archers are exceptional at that. They're skirmishing and, and, and things like that. But yeah, I could see them getting away with kind of letting this army be um, while oh, they think? addressed. Yeah, well, for a little bit, um, because I love the fact that they are like one of like, so for, the number one thing I'm interested in in AOS is uh, goblins, which I have, by the way, I have a big old Gloom Spike Gets list army that you've got to help me build something out of. So oh, I can try AOS. They're quite um, good now. They're very good from what I understand. Um, so I've been waiting. Um, but outside of that, there's no, like, the human faction was just sort of all of the junk that they couldn't, they, that they didn't think that they could think of something cool to do with. So now that they're actually designing Cities of Sigmar to be something of its own in that universe, mm. that kind of frees up the sort of Renaissance fair humans to either be the core of Old World or be sort of, Maybe you get an updated sculpt like you did, say, with the, with the Cadians uh, over in Dadbot, Napgod. 
Oh, thanks for donating five gift subscriptions, Dad Bard. I think he's excited Aww. about the old world. That's, That's super nice. nice of you, especially to my friend Tom in the chat. Lovely. Thanks, bud. Uh, that's really sweet. Um, so like, so anyway, I think this army uh, has a lot of sculpts that were newish. So like that, that were sort of had been revisited. Um, you might maybe see like their their heavy cab get revisited quickly because they're kind of static. But yeah, the core it's fine. It's fine. Also depends on what what they do with the scale. Like do they do they increase, uh, you know, bring it more in line with the way um, you know uh, the, the core systems are being designed, which is kind of a more straight up 32 millimeter style. Or do they shrink it? Do they keep it more proportioned, 28 millimeter? You know, like, it would be interesting to see what design choices they make um, to sort of differentiate the line from others. But the way Eighth Edition ended was with actually a lot of the armies being updated, um, uh, top to bottom, almost all plastic kits. <laughs> what? Um, so someone donated. So uh, Dagger D3 donated five gift subscriptions as well. Oh my God! Wow! Old world love you. in the chat. Let's go! Love Thank it. you. Let's go. The old world smell. I yeah. appreciate Ooh, it. Oh, episode three of the old world. Getting it going. All right. That is beautiful. Um, yeah, get in here. Get it. Get. Get on the Every old Thursday. world train. Every we Thursday. still know the technology to how to build the steam train that drives the old world. Don't worry, guys. Exactly. It's coming out every week. So anyway, we've waxed poetic a lot here, but essentially in an 8th edition context, you kind of had two units you'd see from here, plus we're going to see the the uh, the uh, the knightly orders in a minute. Uh, that's probably what else you would see drawing from your core. Okay, yeah. And and there were halberdiers, there were swordsmen. I think that these were some of the the I think these were evocative. I think one of the things Warhammer Fancy Battle did really well is its core troops, so the troops you had to take as part of your army, which I like a lot of people call them attacks, but I actually think that they like that they really gave you some sort of idea of what the army was meant to look like. I liked it. Like it was uh, good. Yes. Yeah. We were talking about collectability, or at least I was referencing collectability before, and that I think was big. The core units were iconic for every single army. Yes. I don't think there's an army where the core unit, you're like, no. Um, they're all sick AF. Um, every single one of them. Love them. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, thank you to Harry266 for resubscribing as well. Okay, so uh, how about it is? Um, I liked a swordsman because I liked the shield, even if they weren't a good choice. So uh, shield gives you a parry save in combat. So that's that would be the argument for swordsman. I don't that, mean mechanically. Know, I mean, yeah. Oh, you just the like look. the look. All right. I just all think right, it's we'll, cool. Right, shut up. Like, no, I just think a cool a shield is a cool. Like, he's got the heraldry. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm on that. Yeah. 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 Halberds have shields too, though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't think you can have shields with halberds, can you? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. For, it helps you. Helps you as you're getting there. I don't think. I'm. I'm pretty sure halberd's a two-handed weapon. I don't know if you can use it. In, you can't use it in combat, but it helps you with your armor save oh, all the way across yeah, the board. Course. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't. It doesn't matter because that won't be in the game. Three company uh, militia are so sick. These are like swashbuckling dudes. They can basically be whatever you want them to be. Uh, they can just be rabble townsfolk. Um, uh, they can be. Um, they, they, these are based actually on the Mordheim uh, uh, gang sprue, basically. What the free company um, militia? Yeah. Uh, nice. One of the most, as a result, one of the most valuable kits right now. If you're sitting on a, a, a stash of free company militia. Uh, or Huntsman, the Archer kit. Both of those um, sell well above uh, what their original retail value was because people love playing Mordheim, and uh, the, you know every time someone builds a Mordheim um, group, uh, there's one less kit out there to do it with. So yeah, if you're sitting on any of Free Company Militia 
uh, go on eBay and sell them before they get replaced, <laughs> before they re-release more time, uh, which they probably should have done years ago. Yes, in the, maybe around that time that they did that game that was literally more time, uh, which we played. Uh, <laughs> like whatever it was called. Um, the AOS Dark version. Tide, Dark Tide, Dark Tide. Oh, Dark Tide, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. that would have probably been good. Yeah, um, been, <laughs> by the way, the same thing. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, and then you had Huntsman um, as well. So, like, uh, these are, like, I don't remember anyone ever taking any free company militia, but maybe I'm free not correct. This is another one, too, where Total War, if I could interject, Total War might make these cooler because in Total War, they have uh, handguns or, like, some sort the of Huntsman. ranged element to them. The, no, yeah, they, they free company militia. Oh, So okay. when, when, when you get close uh, of a free company, they can actually, like, they can blast you. Uh, whereas in the game, they're just, in this game, they're just sort of generic Dudes. guys that, again, can be used as, 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 as chaff or whatever. Mm. Huntsmen are expensive archers. So that's why you never see them. Uh, um, uh, wolf... Um, uh, another awesome Warhammer 2 character, uh, Wolfric. Wolfric? No. Um, what the hell is his name? Anyway, he's uh, he's essentially an imperial uh, conquistador, um, and uh, he's got his merry band of huntsmen, and they're like they can like come on the the board edge at a random time for way too many points, and no one uses him. However, because he was a character that was released uh, in Eighth Edition that no one ever used, Marcus Wolfart, uh, and so therefore no one ever bought. Uh, one of the rarest minis you could possibly find these days. So again, if you got a Marcus Wolfart, if you're sitting on a, a maybe a, a box of it, you bought it and you put it in the closet. Hop on eBay, you could probably and get three hundred bucks for it. Yeah, it's what you no. mean. Yeah, no, 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 no. You sell that on eBay and you do it as fast as you can, guys. If you're sitting on any new in box fantasy stuff, I am saying right now, listen to listen to me. Sell it now to us. Sell for pennies. No, we don't need Co new in box stuff. You just you just sell it to collectors. All the shit will get re released. But this is it's outrageous. We're not getting any. Free I don't want to rob. I don't want to rob our. They can they can gift subs with the money that they get from uh, <laughs> from reselling all of these collectibles. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so huntsmen could also be skirmishers, and like you alluded to, so that like not only did you have there was a bunch of different like unit types, right? You had monsters. You talked about this earlier. You had monsters. You had cavalry. You had troops. You had skirmishers. They all Monstrous like, cavalry, yeah, yeah, monstrous cavalry, and they all kind of did slightly different things. They had yes. their own universal special rules or USRs. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. So huntsmen were in there as well. Uh, on to let's just go on to a badass unit, the great swords. Now these were not true core, right? They were not core. I do not think so. I do not think they were core. I think these were uh, they special. were special. Yes, they're special. They're special. So uh, these are fully plated, Zweihander wielding. Big hatted. I love the artwork. The artwork is great because awesome. it's it's full armor, absolutely across the whole thing. Like, and then they're like helmet. They're like, fuck no, giant fancy hat. Yeah, fuck you, pussy. I'm not putting a helmet on. Uh, I got these feathers. Um, so yeah, the great swords are interesting. So I think depending on the moment of the edition, they were either a, a plus unit or they weren't. Um, and I think some people continue to like, if you read forums right now, uh, you know, like sort of your, your casual, uh, try hard will probably still think great swords are good. I could never see a world where I'm bringing, bringing great swords as much as I think they're awesome. Um, uh, you know, I just don't, I don't think you're, <laughs> I think you're just better off with halberdiers and other stuff. Um, it's just, uh, but they're awesome. They're also stubborn. So they don't run away. They're really grindy unit. 
Um, and they are so incredibly handsome. Uh, I really genuinely love them, and uh, I think they're cool AF for these sure. Will, these will definitely return. These are iconic. Absolutely. Uh, and this is a good example, I think, of a unit, unit that might be, you know, sp uh, you know, specific to a specific like uh, a certain region of the empire, right? Where you like one region maybe has particularly great great sword, the greatest great swords. Ah, oh, the greatest, um, great, the greatest swords. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. I think the, I think we'll see. The, well, they did say that there's the cardboard great swords in the flavor text were one of the most famous regiments of the empire with tales of their valor. Um, so you might see, and so you might see upgrade kits for that specific unit. It really depends how deep they go with it. If it's just like a splash game release and they don't, but there's, there's the, like you say, not only was there the wealth of the 30 years of before they destroyed the old world, there's everything that game developers, the RPG people and Total War have done since to yes. flesh out, even though they had to cancel it because they were trapped in a tiny box. It's too small. I just, I can't create here. <laughs> I can't create here. I need more space. I need more dimension. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, guys. The next, the next <laughs> unit, and these are definitely going to see a return, in my opinion, uh, are flagellantes. Oh, yeah. Flagellants are so. <laughs> I w these are one of those units where you wish they were good. In some editions, they really were good. Um, I, I think they kind of suffered from that, like uh, the the reverse, the, the sort of the nerf, where you know. Uh, maybe a few additions before this flagellants for good, uh, but in this game they're not. But they, this is a, again an example of an of a, of a model that you do not have to update. Like these guys are friggin' awesome. Um, they're awesome, awesome, awesome. I've got 40 of them. I don't know if I'd ever use them, uh, but they are just one of my favorite. These are one of my favorite models going back to the day. I had a bunch. Uh, of the original pewter versions of these guys, the original metal dudes, and the yeah. plastic kit that exists is just so great. It's great too for um, if you ever want to make cool like 40k imperial zealots and stuff. Like this, this kit is incredible. Yeah, so if you uh, if you're interested in um, uh, what they look like, they're, they're effectively like semi-naked religious nutcases with flails. Um, they mm -hmm. even had like their own like uh, a couple of special like universal special rules applied to them. They did like a whole thing if they took damage and stuff. Like it's super fun, super fun unit. Like um, I really I, I expect those to return, especially if and I, again I expect there to be a city that's even more puritanical and fanatical than other another city and have even yeah. more flagellantes and uh, so like the, the and the, the idea behind these guys is that they're you know unbreakable because they you know they're just seeking death for the glory of sigmar uh they're frenzied so they have extra attacks and they can't really control their charges very well um and then they have this thing where if they sacrifice a couple dudes they might get bonus uh bonuses to themselves but <laughs> The funny thing about that is when you actually look at the math involved and in giving themselves bonuses, uh, it rarely happens that they get a very good bonus. Um, and then uh, on top of all that, they don't have an armor save, so they just sort of melt away. And they, the, the, the purpose of them is that they, like slayers and dwarves, is that they go, and if they just touch a unit, they're not going anywhere. Um, and then uh, and that's, uh, that's sort of what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be a unit that you know is just hard to chew through. Unfortunately, they're just very easy to chew through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? They're naked. So uh, mm -hmm. then, then we get on to... Now, like, this is weird. This is a weird bit. Bretonia horsemen. I get it. Yeah? Knights, heraldry. And then we just had a lot more kind of, like, line horsemen. So the knightly orders. So these are your cavalry, your standard dude on a horse in full plate or armor doing the charge uh, mm -hmm. was a thing. 
Um, it's kind of odd because, like you said, like they learnt war machines from dwarfs, they learnt magic from elves. Um, like the Empire kind of stand out because of their infantry in a lot of ways, in my opinion. And then the Knightly yeah. Order has always felt like a bit like, oh, and these guys. And and also these these very heavy mounted uh, cavalry. Yeah. So I guess and the history on this is a little bit lost to me. But you know if 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 the Knights of Bretonia are your sort of uh, you know Norman conquest area era, actually it's the reverse of that because it's it's uh, it's, way, it's like isn't it's it like eighth century? Eight, eight, Asian court. Asian court is when the knights get pelted by British. Ten sixty six. No, way before. Ten sixty six is when they come across. So if, yeah, if if you're if you're sort of like heavy plate, but like flowing barded dudes with your ten forty. Um, that that would be that would be your your Bretonians. These these to me feel like your late medieval. I might get shot with a musket. Uh, you see, you can see like the the very sharp lines that are more for, for like the armor is built to deflect. Um, so this is sort of a late. Uh, late era version of plate armor, I would say something that's more contemporaneous with the vague time era placement of of empire. Um, so yeah, whereas Bretonia is stuck is is actually an older style of mounted knight. These guys would probably be your your sort of very late heavy armor knight. Um, you know that you might see hundred years war ish when you know you had blunderbusses and shit. I think, um, yeah, so uh, Wolfenstein, Bretonnia is a hundred years war and then Empire was the War of the Roses. So later when we ended up having some black powder shot. Um, cavalry, cavalry, interesting. Like a lot of a lot of the game was designed around like hitting straight lines and then charging in flanks if possible. I never found that cavalry were like crazy fast, like which I thought was kind of interesting. They just kind of moved a bit faster. Um, so go on. From from like an army design perspective, like if you're building a list, especially later uh, empire armies would become uh, actually like all cav all heavy cap. So like they they would spend all their points on just a big Death Star of 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 heavy horse, and then elsewhere, um, and that gave your core troops very high survivability because unlike Bretonians, these guys have a one up save. Uh, so that means that, uh, you know, just uh, dressed as they are, they, uh, you know, you need to get at least, uh, you know, a negative two modifier on their armor save before they're rolling worse than two up to save themselves. The downside, of course, is that they have one wound. Um, and uh, that's why, you know, maybe people are reluctant to sink a lot of points into them. But eventually, I think people see the efficiency of just a big brick of two up save things that you can also buff with other characters that you bring with them. You can give them, uh, you know. Uh, maybe you throw in, uh, you know, a, 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 not an arc lector, but like a, a, a warrior priest or my favorite guy, Luther Hess. Uh, and suddenly, you know, they've got, um, you know, five up ward too if they get something off. So they become very much like a core as the meta develops, you get up, you move away from halberdiers. I don't know what the fish is that starts to eat the other things like those big bricks of infantry. I don't know what that big fish is, but you definitely see it in the list designs as you get towards the end of the edition. Do you think we'll see uh, the cavalry come back, like, uh, in in old 100%, world? Yes. 100%. Yes. Okay. And this to, me, this, to me, is a kit ripe for a redesign as well. The, the existing models are very static. They're one of the originally designed plastic kits. They strike me as something that was actually hand-sculpted and then adapted to a plastic sprue. So you have, one of the, you have those sprues with a lot of empty space on them. It's the, 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 not a tremendous amount of detail. You could see... Uh, uh, Imperial Knights, uh, uh, Empire um, uh, Knightly Orders come back. 
but with a, a lot more detail akin to what you see with demigriff knights well so there's also a couple of i expect also there to be different knightly orders as well like we've got the reichsguard knights which they go through and then i expect there to be loads of different knightly orders if if we do i'm actually kind of excited about like that in empire-based civil war if that's what we end up with because you could be very like you could very much collect a, like a set of miniatures and be like oh my god i'm, I'm definitely gonna be from tabaland and then the other one would be like oh we're gonna be a bit of a known guy today which is cool um, if they yeah. do that, that's that's super Agreed. fun. Uh, and Estugan uh, won uh, Dark Elves and Demons just invalidated infantry in the last third of eighth edition. Thank you. Uh, that would be that would make a lot of sense. So the Dark Elves have repeater bolt guns, repeater bolt throwers can bring them in mass. They can just melt anyone away. So suddenly having that one up armor save, very very important. So there you go. That's the big fish that killed off the blocks of halberdiers. Even though I still love them. Uh, and then uh, so then going to special, we ended up with demi griff knights, which contentious. Contentious. Uh, were they? Well, importantly, pretty cool models. I remember, like, so I looked at the artwork and I very much liked uh, the the artwork and the minis, but the minis did not hold up. I kind of revisited the minis at one point. I was like, actually, hate these. <laughs> like, really? I thought, yeah, I don't know why. I think that the body was too small. On the Well, I mean, there's a Forge World demigriff that you actually shared, and he is way bigger. This is mm. sort of like the same thing that happens with the Rhinox. Yes. Uh, uh, on, with the Ogres. They they shrink him down, I think, to make him a little bit more playable. Um, but the bigger thing about the Demigriff is that the monstrous cavalry unit type was something that they kind of brought in. I don't know if they existed in 7th. I think they started existing when Ogres come because um, you get monstrous infantry and monstrous cavalry. I, and think, so that brings I, think, in, the, I think the Ogres had the first monstrous cavalry, and I think these happened after. And then, but then basically what happens is every army gets, well, almost every army, looking at you dwarves uh, uh, and Bretonians, uh, get, actually, Bretonians have Pegasus. Anyway, um, uh, gets a, a unit of, ma of monstrous cavalry, which immediately make regular cav cavalry pale in comparison, except for in this case, regular cavalry in the Imperial, in the Empire book, they are core. So it's a way to pad out, like build out your core points. You're not going to see many. Uh, Imperial armies that don't have demigriff knights, though, um, they are really, really good units. Um, just absolutely amazing flankers. Um, I love them. I love them. I love them. Uh, good. All right. Yeah, I like the demigriff knights. I think they're great. Uh, so then we've got like again more calf. Uh, you've gone and got the pistoliers and the outriders. Oh, uh, just what a kit! Beautiful kit. One like, of my favorite, I, most evocative kits. I love. But these I think guys. it also showed its age now. Like, you this think? Is... I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, I, I think, I think they're cool. Don't get me wrong, but I think the sculpting on, the, like, the blunderbusters especially, definitely could. Um, I think, I think they could definitely could do some, some redesign on these personally. Um, again, maybe it's just because I live in an eighth edition world now that, like, to me, the pistolier kit is beautiful, and also I compare it to the original pistolier kit, uh, which was just like two versions of a guy on a horse. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I still love them whether or not that means they're good. Uh, who knows? Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, in the game pistoliers again, had play, I think in earlier metas, by the time you're getting to the late edition, eighth, uh, eighth, not really seeing them much. The outriders who are guys with basically like little submachine guns, they suffer from the inability to move and fire essentially. 
but if you got them in position and used them right, they just like would unleash hell and they were a ton of fun. So Absolutely I think both of these broken in total war, these guys. Uh, yes. Um, I love both of these units and these are a type of unit that even though they may not be the best choice, these are units that I will struggle to find a way to play with because I think they're so much fun. So there you go. Yeah. And so I think they look great. So yeah. So they're, 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 they're archer cavalry effectively uh for people yes. who are wondering but they've got black powder weapons so uh and very very fun to use in total war very fun uh mm-hmm. next up is uh the the good old war altar of sigmar which we already took to, touched touched on anyway yeah, uh, massive this, massive buff it was just a unit. mount right am i thinking right thinking? it's a chariot yeah it's a chariot mount yeah yeah so it wasn't something you could take on its own uh no i think it had to be an arc lector's mount if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah. So, but the other was, ones, they have other weird chariots that are also buffing chariots that were uh, rare choices. Yes. Well, the Luminarch and also the Hurricaneum. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which still exist. They still, still exist and are very much in use. <laughs> However, in the Age of Sigmar, the Altar of Sigmar, for some reason, doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because it does look like from some of the early artwork that they're, they're definitely bringing back like crusading style war altars so i don't know if it's not re- making a return if i'm honest um but they're what the, they've done a piece of artwork where these crusades are going out because that's what the the new book is going to be um uh, yeah and uh, and they they look like they've got these mounts chariots things they look insane so the luminarch and the hurricane virtually assured will not exist in old world um Certainly not in a, like a supported fashion that is uh, germane. Like they might do a thing where they release, you know, legended rules that work with the rule set maybe at, at, at when they first drop. I don't know. That's a speculation. But I think they will based on how they said you can use the toys you have. Um, so maybe there will be some generic rules for everything that existed up to this point. Um, but again, lore-wise, the Luminarch and the, the Hurricaneum would be things created by the schools of magic. They just don't exist in this timeline. Oh. However, this bad boy, this bad boy um, – uh, certainly uh, could exist, um, uh, although I'm not sure. This might be um, – I'm pretty sure the Arc Lector exists in this era. I don't know. Uh, someone else might be able to tell me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, if if one of the altars exists, the War Altar of Sigmar will. It's also one of the oldest and most iconic Empire models. This thing has had two or three different versions over the years. Okay. Interesting that we won't see the return of the others. That's actually pretty hot. Artillery. <coughs> Uh, cannons, Hell yeah. Hellblaster volley gun yep. uh, in here, and the Hellstorm rocket battery, and then also mortars. I forgot about the mortars. So Humble four, order. four different types of artillery. Uh, I think all of them could potentially see a return. Um, probably not the the uh, the rocket launcher. I would bet uh, the rocket battery just strikes me as sort of a newer thing, and I don't know what the timeline on the on the Hellblaster is. These those both feel like newish Empire innovations. Maybe you'll see like a proto prototypical version of them or something like that. Um, but again, I don't know quite when the uh, the uh, you know Imperial gunners figure that stuff out. Uh, but rocket batteries, if you know Total War, are just these devastating engines of death. They're amazing. Uh, in fantasy, that level of destructive power would have been too much. Uh, so they were dialed back. Both mortars and Hellstorm rocket batteries were dialed back a lot in Eighth Edition and basically taken out of the game. Uh, they don't and they really did template exist. damage. So, like, they would do a yes. template. So you would scatter. Uh, so there was the whole joy of the the, the template thing, uh, which set to make yep. a return. Hellblasters, though, and great cannons 
tremendous amount of play, certainly great cannons in every single list. And then you're going to, tr- most people would try to find a way to get Hellblaster in probably too much variance for like a real gamer. Uh, and the point sink to give it uh, less variation into the M- M- Imperial engineer. Again, probably a negative on the, on the Hellblaster competing in the rare choice on top of all of that, which has got tons of great stuff for empire. So Hellblaster is something that you want to have, something that you have to want to get into your list. Uh, but the cannon, just a stock choice. You're at least bringing one, probably two. Because monsters uh, were very susceptible to cannon fire. Um, yeah. And if you didn't deal with a monster via cannon fire, it was going to eat your face. A lot of the yeah, time. really. Any 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 sort of points dense, wound rich, uh, like so anything that had a lot of points and wound density. So multi wound, expensive units like monsters cavalry, uh, for example. Those uh, are ogres in general. Um, you know, quite susceptible to uh, cannonballs dropping on them. Um, so yeah, they're gonna they're they're real all rounders, and they're also because of the way the rules are written, you can snipe dudes with them pretty good. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, they are uh, they are one of the things. Yeah, I think. I think I'm, I'm getting ready to go. Okay, I think the. Uh, I think we'll call it there. We'll call it there for today. Steam tanks maybe won't return. Uh, Luminarchs. I think that. I think actually we got to the end. Car Franz. We got loads of characters to talk about. We'll do that on next week's show. Let's do. Let's do. Let's do Empire Take Two next week. Shall we do that? Absolutely. Perfect. If everyone enjoyed the old world show, thanks for tuning in. See you soon. Yeah. Uh, yep. Absolutely. I'll see you soon.